Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to celebrate June being Dairy Month. We'll also find out about a new 90-minute documentary coming to the FM Kirby Center. Actor Circle has another production coming up. The Lackawanna Heritage Fair starts this Wednesday. Also, the Color Fun Walk at Riverfest is going to be held, and you need to sign up now. We're starting off with Safety First. Mike Toludo with PennDOT is here, and Eric Doddle, Lackawanna County Highway Safety Program Coordinator. Eric tells us what's important on the roads. Awareness, people understanding um, how dangerous it can be with travel, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's pedestrian, bicycle, motorcycle, passenger vehicle safety. You have to be aware of your surroundings and planning your trip accordingly and knowing the rules of the road. Let's talk pedestrian safety. You've got people that are starting to enjoy the good weather walking. What do they need to know? They need to be aware of their surroundings as well and utilizing the crosswalks at intersections, not just crossing the street wherever they they want to without paying attention. That's for your safety and the driver's safety. So being aware, staying off of your phone when you're crossing the street. So you have to be aware and focus on what is in front of you. Keep your head up and utilize those safety areas like the pedestrian. And, crosswalks. and if a person is walking along a roadway, which way do they go? You would want to be walking towards incoming traffic. You would want to see it coming at you. We're going to talk a little bit more about bicycles, but theirs is a little different, is it not? Yes, theirs. You would want to be going with traffic, of course, with bicycles. You have to share the road, and that's something, you know, even we're talking about with motorcycle safety as well, is that drivers have to be aware of people on bikes. And again, the weather is getting better. And we have so many great trails and areas where people ride bikes in the area that everybody has to be aware of their surroundings and wearing the proper reflective clothing if they're bicycling at night. And of course, a helmet, regardless of the age, a helmet will save somebody's life. Eric, welcome aboard. Thank you. Now we're going to move over to Mike Toludo, who always brings us right up to the roadways. And Mike, I know you have something that you want our listeners to know. 
a holiday weekend, and we just want people to be safe. I want we don't want you to be the holiday statistic. We want you to get safe from your destination that you're going. So a lot of things happen during the holiday weekend. You're you're going to parties. You're going to uh, you may be going camping. And this year, a lot of people are going to be local, staying around the local state parks. Uh, there's a couple things we have. We have, like if you're taking your boat out for the first time this season, make sure you do not drink and drive on the boat. The same rules of the road are our same rules for the water. So uh, you could get a DUI instead of a DUI. We're doing our annual click it or ticket campaign. So local police are out um, checking for seatbelts. And also, if you're in the backseat of the car, we tend not to mention this. If you're in the backseat of the car, also wear your seatbelt because if you're in a crash, you could go flying and crush the front driver. So you wear your seatbelts in the front and back of, seat, uh, of the car. Also, if you're t- bringing your children out, we want to make sure they have, they're have they in the proper safety passenger seat. Make sure your car seat is installed correctly. You could call your local police, PENDA, and get your car seat inspected. The idea of the seatbelts, it's the driver's responsibility, isn't it? Absolutely. And if it turns out that they are not and they do happen to get pulled over, who gets that fine, Mike? The driver would get the fine. It's a first offense if you're under 18, and it's a secondary offense if you're over 18. So you'd have to get pulled over for something else if you're over 18. All right, but the whole idea behind Click It or Ticket is make sure that you are buckled in. Right, and local police, they go out in the morning, they go out at all different times of the day. So they may be out at night checking too, so it's not just in the daylight hours. I also want to bring up that, and this is a traditional that we have the, the local organizations. Will be, again, a lot of them are coming back to do the local coffee breaks. They'll be at your local rest areas, some rest areas, and the welcome centers. And if you're dr- driving and you're, you're getting drowsy, uh, we don't want drowsy drivers. So you could stop and have a, a coffee break and help out an organization that's um, give a little donation for the, for the coffee. They do it Memorial Day, 4th of July. Labor Day and Thanksgiving. I'm going to go back to Eric now and just have Eric, if there are any things that you would like to make sure that our listeners know, now's the time to give them all the good information. Well, we're doing uh, a lot of work now, obviously, with the weather and the pedestrian and bicycle and uh, motorcycle safety, which is this month is Motorcycle Awareness Month. So that is something that we're pushing very hard because of the number of crashes that have gone up since 2020. Preliminary data has us at 3,578 crashes involving motorcycles on the Pennsylvania roadways with 226 fatalities, which is obviously 226 more fatalities than there should be. So we want to make sure that it's not only the riders of the motorcycles to understand what they need to do to be safe, but also the passenger vehicle drivers to understand that they're going to be out there. It's a different vehicle. They maneuver different than a normal vehicle does. So you have to be aware of your blind spots and these people out on the roadways. And Mike, I'm going to give you the opportunity to let all of our listeners know that once again this year, the the Pennsylvania Motorcycle Safety Program is being offered. But you can always just go to the PennDOT website to find out what locations the training's at. But I recommend you take the training when it's available. If you're a first time, they have for the first time they have for experienced riders. The training is very helpful uh, to keep it safe. And also one thing, wear a helmet. Even though in Pennsylvania, you can make the choice. I've talked to people that helmets saved their life or kept them from having serious issues uh, where they have to involve other people to take care of them. Either one of you have anything that you would like to get back in here so that we can let our listeners know? I think all the information that myself and Mike provided, I think is is great information. And and again, you know, it is just awareness, especially with the uh, summer months upon us here now.
Yeah, I want to just say that we want to welcome Erica Board, and we're available to go to local groups, community groups, to come out and speak about traffic safety. So if anybody wants a, wants myself or Eric to come out and speak or provide them with some information, just give us a call at Penn or Lackawanna County. It's always safety first when we head out on the roads. Now, Kevin Harger Blizzard, a volunteer with the Street Art Society, and Lisa Murphy, a Street Art Society board member, are here to tell us about the upcoming Color Fun Run Walk that's happening at Riverfest in June. A very exciting event coming up on June 17th, but before we get there, we have to get you registered. So, Kevin, Lisa, who's going to tell us why it's important to be registered by June 1st? We are planning our color run, of course, and it's going to be an awesome day. And the registration fee, of course, includes an event day t-shirt. It's a white t-shirt and it has some great artwork on it by a local artist. And you'll wear that for the run. And when you finalize um, your run you'll or walk, if you'd like, you'll end up a piece of art yourself, flashed and pummeled with different colored powder. We're trying to get, of course, an appropriate head count so we know how many t-shirts to order. In order to guarantee that you have a t-shirt, that's why we're looking for a count by June 1st. We will likely allow walkers and runners to register later, but we just can't guarantee a t-shirt beyond that point. And Lisa, maybe you can tell us about the Street Art Society of NEPA. Sure. The Street Art Society of NEPA, we are a grassroots volunteer nonprofit organization. Just a bunch of us getting together right in the beginning, wanting more art and more murals to be popping up around the Wyoming Valley. So we orchestrate and coordinate all of these different murals happening and they're popping up everywhere. We have over 10 murals completed as of today. Where would they see one? Most of our murals are located on um, the west side of the Wyoming Valley, um, Kingston, Edwardsville. We also have a mural tour with a map on our website, streetartsocietynepa.org. Anybody can go and check out the map and go from mural to mural to check them out. There's murals in Kingston and um, Luzerne as well. One of the largest ones to date is on the back of the Hotel Sterling Annex. Lisa, correct me if I'm wrong, it was Lady of the Valley, is that the title? Right, that one's Lady of the Valley by Philadelphia-based artist Evan Lovett. And Kevin, you already mentioned the t-shirts, so are any of the t-shirts going to be mural-worthy? They may be. We'll we'll see after the run how colorful they get, Uh, but it's going to be an awesome, exciting day. If you've never done a color walk run, At each kilometer mark, there's going to be people to just have color explosion all over the place. We recommend, of course, that you wear goggles or sunglasses, but it's just a really fun day and event. I know a lot of people have them on their bucket list, so why not help support a local group like the Street Art Society, help support local arts creation and also just have fun while you're doing it. Where is this going to be taking place again? The run walk will be taking place in Nesbitt Park, which is across the street from Kirby Park on the Kingston side of the Pier Street Bridge and Market Street Bridge. And I guess, Lisa, when you're talking about something like this, color is the name of the game because you mentioned the mural in uh, Wilkes-Barre, and I think a lot of people may be familiar with that one. So when you're talking about getting involved in an event like this, what do you hope 
that people, besides the fact of having fun, what do you hope they take away from it? From an event like this, we're hoping that people can gather locally, experience what the area has to offer, Nesbitt Park, and just become more aware of the murals in the area. And also just having fun while doing it. And another awesome thing about the event, it's coinciding with Riverfest, which is an annual event put on by the Riverfront Parks Committee. So after the walk run, we hope people will check out and enjoy all of the local vendors and different things that are going to be set up on the River Commons to celebrate the, um, the downtown area and the river parks. And Kevin, this isn't the first time that the color walk run has taken place, right? Well, there are ones that, that happen nationally, internationally, but this will be the first annual Street Art Society color walk run. This is the first one we're putting on and we hope to do it again year after year. And I think it's going to be, again, a, a, just a fun event, but also support the arts and help us raise money to place more murals around Northeastern PA. Lisa, anything else that you would like folks to know about the Street Art Society or the upcoming walk run? Sign up for it. (laughs) And I I would add, if I may, um, to make sure to check us out on Facebook at Street Art Society of NEPA on Facebook. And the website is streetartsocietynepa.org. Kevin, the other thing, too, is we mentioned the fact that if you want to make sure you're in on the T-shirts to register by June 1st, but when actually is the event? The event is June 17th, and we'll start the walk run at 630. And that's a question we've been getting asked by a few people. Do I have to run? I am not personally a runner myself, but you can complete it by walking as well. So we just hope the community will come out, have fun with it, support the arts, and just enjoy the that great weekend. Excellent. Anything else that you'd like, either one of you would like to add? To sign up, if you do go to our Facebook page, it is pinned right at the top. So there is a registration link um, and it's very easy to fill out. You can make the payment right on the website. So it captures everything right there. And that can be found again on our Facebook page, which is Street Art Society of NEPA. Thanks once again to Kevin Harger Blizzard and Lisa Murphy with the Street Art Society and all the details on the upcoming Color Fun Run Walk coming to Riverfest June 19th in Wilkes-Barre. Now, don't go away. When we come back this week, Lackawanna Heritage Fair is opening. The details on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. It's going to be a big time on Montage Mountain. Armand Olivetti and Dom Perini are here. They have all the details of Lackawanna Heritage Fair. I have Armand. I have Dom. I have the Lackawanna County Heritage Fair. When's it happening? It is happening Wednesday, June 1st through Sunday, June 5th. Our times will be Wednesday and Thursday, 4 to 10, Friday, 11 to 11, Saturday, 11 to 11, and Sunday, 11 to 9. And it is going to be a great event. Armand, how are you going to fit all these people on the mountain? Tell us where it's happening. It's happening at Montage Mountain Resort. It's at the top of Montage Mountain Road. Anyone who knows where the ski slope is, you can see it at night in the wintertime lit up. We rent that for five days as the fairground. To try to accommodate the anticipated swarm, I'm hoping, of people this year, 
we're all ready to get out and just enjoy life again. You have how many vendors? We changed the layout of the fairgrounds to open it up a little bit this year. We have uh, 18 food vendors and two alcohol vendors. Many of those food vendors are food trucks with unique menus. We have approximately 60 non-food vendors, many of them craft people, almost all of them local. We have the full carnival on site. That would be Swika Amusements out of uh, Scott Township. The water park, of course, is going to be included in the admission price, Montage's water park. This year, we also have a pony ride. There's an upcharge for that. It's not included in the $10 admission price, but there will be a pony ride in the area where the carnival rides are as well. Well, I wish we had enough time to mention all of the vendors and all of the entertainment. They're a way to give everybody an opportunity to know who's coming, and you have quite an impressive list. Yeah, we have 23 local bands providing continuous live entertainment in two-hour rotations when the fairground is open. They're up on our website or Facebook page. You go to LackawannaCountyFair.com. That is the website, and then you can link to the Facebook page from there and lists of the vendors, the bands that are performing. And also, this year we have Lackawanna Historical Society, which is in charge of the heritage component of the fair. And they have five days of heritage presentations, including on Thursday night, their live theme show, You Live Here, You Ought to Know That. And that's <laughs> going to be broadcast on uh, the, their YouTube channel, ECTV YouTube channel, live on Thursday night. And why do I think, Dom, you're going to be right there in the front and have all the answers? <laughs> It's unfortunate. None of us have all the answers. But what I do know, Paula, it's the best deal in America. $10. Park for free. Ride all the rides for free. Enjoy the water park for free. And all the entertainment for free. $10. They're on your Facebook page. And I've been perusing from polka to Irish to Dixieland to modern. You've You've got all the bases covered. We have some great bands out there. We open with... uh, Joe Stanky and the Cadets, which seems to be a popular opening act. And on Sunday night, we close with Picture Perfect. And we've got everything in between. 23 great local bands. Now, I know both of you gentlemen, and neither one of you have a mustache or a beard, at least since last (laughs) time I I saw you. I do now. Oh, you do now? (laughs) I do now. (laughs) Well, then are you taking part in the Lackawanna County hair, H-A-I-R, I I love that, beard and mustache competition? I am not, no, and I'm not a judge either, but people uh, uh, far more credible than me will be involved in that, both as participants and judges. I'm not either, Paula. No, you're not a judge, but it's (laughs) happening... It's happening on June 5th. That's Sunday. Yes. Yeah. And and we had tried to arrange for that at the 2019 fair. And, uh, you know, between the bad weather that we had and the one day we lost power on the fairgrounds due to an accident in South Scranton, we just couldn't pull things together. But this year we're able to do that. And in fact, at that same booth, the, the people who are arranging the beer contest will be located. They're also going to be selling uh, some of our uh, fair T-shirts and uh, other memorabilia for us there, too. So we hope everyone will stop by, check out the contest and, uh, and buy a, a T-shirt. It certainly sounds like it is going to be an incredible event. Once again, give us the rundown. Dom, I'm going to start with you. Where is it? When is it? It is at the Montage Ski Area. And everybody locally knows where that is. And for 
any folks farther away, they could Google it. They could go on the internet and they'll, they'll see it. It's off interstate 81 and you can't miss it. I mean, you could see the mountain from the top. It's Wednesday, June 1st through Sunday, June 5th. We are selling the event with a $10 ticket and that $10 ticket gives you parking, entrance to the fair, all the rides, the water park, and all the beautiful entertainment that we have all included in that $10 ticket. And Armand, I'm going to have you let everybody know about the the entertainment and about the vendors and just wrap it all up for us because I think we're already in our cars heading to montage. Paul, I'm going to give you the highlights. For anyone with mobility issues, J&JR Scooters will be on site with a variety of scooter options for your needs. For anyone interested in adopting a fur baby and providing a forever home, Griffin Pond Animal Shelter will be on site. For parents and grandparents, that includes me. The Electric City Aquarium and Rainforest will be on site with displays and interactive presentations. And Allie's Air Balloons will be on site to construct balloon art for children. If you're interested in knowing your future, a tarot card reader will be on site. For farmers and gardeners, 4-H and PSU Extension Master Gardeners will be on site with tips and demonstrations and contests. The uh, PA State Treasurer's Office will have a rep on site to answer questions about S-sheeted funds. You may see that in the paper once in a while, uh, you know, where money gets paid to the state and held in trust until it's applied for. College tuition investment funds, things of that sort. PennDOT will have someone on site to answer questions about real ID driver's licenses, road construction plans, things of that sort. For people who are looking for unusual or adventurous food options, we have health food, soul food, Asian food, gator bites, elk burgers, venison tenderloin sandwiches, frog legs, much, much more through our uh, many food vendors. And of course, we'll have the local traditional ethnic foods, festival staples like pulled pork, down-home pudding will be back this year, Manning's ice cream will be back this year. And finally, the incomparable, incomparable Queen of the Apostles strawberry shortcake. Why do I think that's one of your personal favorites? <laughs> that's Father Phil down at Queen of the Apostles Church in Avoca. That's everybody's favorite. And of course, you've also got all the vendors that are going to be there that have yep, all kinds yep. of local things and, and other items to purchase. And the music, which is spectacular. What a lineup. Polka to Irish to Dixieland yep. to modern. You've got it all. We have the Longo Brothers, I think, for people who remember the poets. Yes. Uh, the number one band in the area all those years, uh, the Longo Brothers were at the core of the performing artists and the poets. They're going to be up there. The wannabes for people who uh, eat the East Coast Three, for people who like the 60s music. We have a terrific uh, array assortment of uh, bands for the fair. And at $10, you, you get your entertainment out of the $10 if you do nothing else all day up there. Right. And again, give us that website. It's LackawannaCountyFair.com. And on Facebook, it's Lackawanna County Heritage Fair. I know the weather is going to be perfect. From your lips to God's ears, Paula. <laughs> and you know, Paula. 
All they say in this business is give us the weather and we'll give you the hard work. Thanks, Armand Olivetti and Dom Perini with all the details on Lackawanna Heritage Fair. Bob Spoletta is next on Special Edition, and he's going to tell us about the Actor Circle presentation of His Girl Friday. It's an adaptation of a classic movie that starred Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. It's written and directed by Bob. Not only are you directing this show, but you wrote it? How did that come about? The show is one that I found at the beginning of the pandemic on a public domain website so I could do what I wanted with it. In the beginning of the pandemic, we were scrambling to see what we could do that wouldn't cost us a lot of money and that we could potentially attract audiences with once the pandemic restrictions were done. There is a movie that was made 80 years ago. And it was about a group of people who were somewhat selfish, had politicians who were using their positions for personal gain and nepotism. We had individuals who were abusing the system for their own gain. And we had all kinds of issues that today would be absolutely shocking. And that was all okay, even in time of there being censorship. 80 years ago, and we're talking about starring, a movie starring Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. Yes, and if you go back and you watch it, the thing that strikes you is that it is oddly compelling. What was in the movie reflects what's happening today. A significant issue was coming to a head socially. Prohibition. It was still in place, but it was coming to an end. So there was a lot of political discussion about that. It's set, so 1931, 32, there were just so many parallels to what's going on today in the movies. How did you update all this? The way I updated it was to make the show more reflective of our current values or at least the current values that I really wish we had. I have the original screenplay. So in the movie, they had one of the characters kill herself because she was being attacked by some disreputable people. In the final movie, they had people look out the window and say, oh no, she jumped out of a three-story building, but she's still moving, so she's okay. His Girl Friday, Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell, was that a comedy? Yes. And if you watch it, you get drawn in. It was written as a vehicle for Rosalind Russell, and it's marvelously done. It was the first romantic comedy. I think because the situation that we're in today and the situation they were in then, this is pre-World War II mentality. So in the movie, they soften that and they change a bit of dialogue because there was a lot of conversation about her killing herself they took out of the movie but I completely changed that I took out all but uh, one of the ethnic slurs because I think it's important for us to see how that can come about and how that can become entwined in society I took out many of the attacks on women's status, but left in ones that were 
very jarring to the audience because they were just so out of place, but would be expected in the time. I also created a whole new storyline because it personally bothered me to have the disreputable people win and the good guys lose, which is what that story is all about. The lovable bad guys win and the the good guys, the people trying to do the right thing, <laughs> lose horribly. So I created a dual love story rather than a single one. Although anyone who watches the movie will say, yeah, <laughs> it is more than 80% different from <laughs> the movie. At least now uh, we know that when the audience comes to Actors Circle to see it, there will be some laughs. Yes, but what I would love to see happen would be for somebody to see this play and then watch the movie and see how much we have changed. I've had a lot of people ask me why, as you did, I picked this <laughs> as something to spend over a year in writing. And it was basically because I, I saw it as something that could have a meaningful statement for people. I would say that, honestly, before I pulled together the wonderful cast that I have, I would have said, maybe you should see the play first so you're not comparing <laughs> my actors to Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant, but I am blessed with actors in all of the roles who are doing such a marvelous job that I have no worries in that regard. Give everybody the information. I hope what they come away with is seeing a marvelous comedy that gets them to think about how much better we are in treating each other than we were and which direction we should try to move our society in. At its heart, it remains a romantic comedy that you come away thinking, this was a good outcome. This was something that I could be proud of believing in. Thanks again, Bob Spoletta, and don't miss his Girl Friday at Actors Circle in Scranton. Now, don't go away. When we come back, a documentary at the FM Kirby Center later this month and June Dairy Month on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, coming to the FM Kirby Center in June, Agnes, a new 90-minute documentary film which will tell the story of the Agnes Flood of 1972 as we get set to remember after 50 years. Alan Stout is the writer and will narrate the production, and he has all the details, including when you can see it, because... One of the showings already sold out. We have a documentary film. It's titled Agnes. It was made to commemorate and observe the 50th anniversary of the Agnes Flood of 1972, which, um, as we all know, really decimated large portions of the Wyoming Valley. Kingston, Forty Fort, Plymouth, Edwardsville, Wilkes-Barre, of course, West Wyoming, Wyoming, Swartzville. And so all these communities were impacted tremendously by this natural disaster, which at the time the president of the United States referred to as the worst natural disaster in the history of America. And so it's something that, you know, we still talk about here in, the, in northeastern Pennsylvania often. So we did a documentary to 
commemorate that, and it will premiere at the FM Kirby Center on June 23rd, and there will be two additional showings on June 29th. The 23rd is actually on 50 years to the day that the levees broke and that the valley was flooded. So it's the 50th anniversary of the flood. And then the other two showings um, also fall within the anniversary week of the flood because everything was pretty chaotic for that entire week, as you can imagine. And you are serving as the executive producer, but not only that, you wrote this and you're narrating it. How did that come about in your life? Once we decided that we were we had the right people on the team to make the movie, which was Tim Novotny, who was an extremely talented film editor and director, and Bob Savakinas, who co-directed the film, and both of those gentlemen had made other films uh, that I'm sure some folks have seen here in northeastern Pennsylvania. They did documentaries on Rocky Glen and Hanson's Park and Angela Park. Some of them they worked on individually, some of them they worked on together, but they work as a team on a lot of their projects. And Tony Brooks from the Wilkes-Barre Preservation Society is our historical consultant. Tony and I have been working on this project for quite a while, and two years ago, once Bob and Tim came on board and we knew that we had filmmakers who knew how to make a movie. Tim said, well, you're going to write it, right? <laughs> because I, uh, you know, I obviously wrote for the newspaper for 18 years. I was a columnist and a reporter and an editor and a features writer. And since I was the one that sort of, you know, got the project started, uh, that fell on my shoulders and I was happy to do it. It was a really interesting process. And, and Tim guided me through that process. You know, I didn't have to sit down in one day and write the movie or in one week. We, we did it in sections. And so the first section was the storm coming up the coast. And then the second section was the sandbaggers trying to save the valley. And then the third section was the boat rescues. And so you can put it together. That's how that fell on my shoulders. And obviously, I've also been on the radio locally for more than 20 years. Pretty comfortable in front of the microphone. And since I wrote the film and pulled together much of the material for the film, the, the videos and the photos, and kind of had an idea of how it should flow, I narrated it as well. We were able to run the whole project through the Wilkes-Barre Preservation Society, which is a 501c3, which actually helped tremendously with the fundraising for the film because people could support this film and have it be a tax-deductible donation. And so everybody had an important role. One of the things, as you were talking there, that's fascinating is the interviews, the photographs, the video, the radio and TV broadcast. Where did you get all that? You also mentioned that you have things that haven't ever been seen. There were about five books on Agnes that were published in late 72, early 73, you know, after the flood. And a lot of people have them still up in their attics. A couple of them were real hardcover books, almost like a yearbook style book. I remember looking through some of them when I was a kid and it was about 12 years ago, I decided I wanted to acquire them just for my own kids. You know, I remember Agnes, obviously I was a young boy at the time. I remember the evacuation and I remember the destruction and I have some memories of that. So I acquired the books and that's kind of where I start thinking about the documentary because there were great pictures in all the books. All the local TV stations at some point had done a retrospective on Agnes. WBRE did one in 92, WNEP did one in 82, 10 years later. WVIA did a one in 97, 25 years later. I acquired all of those. Uh, they were they were kind enough to, to give them to us and basically say, we told them what we were thinking of doing at the time. So everybody gave us all the footage that they had and said, yeah, use it. All they, all they said was give us a film credit at the end and thank us. And, and so now all of a sudden we've got these books 
hundreds and hundreds of amazing photos to choose from. We've got all the video from all the local TV stations. We had um, newspaper headlines. People were giving us newspapers from 1972. And so you could see attempt to do something special that it really hadn't ever been done before. And then I guess the real sort of crown jewel for us for the film was how is Agnes covered nationally? If it's the worst national disaster in the history of, of the United States, it was must have been a top story. And so what we did was we reached out to the networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, and we worked with their archivists, and we acquired the news broadcasts from those days. No one's ever seen that footage before. Wow. And we acquired it. If you were curious, wow, did, did Walter Cronkite open the 630 News on June 23rd, 1972, talking about Wilkes-Barre? Well, yes, he did. Wow. You will see it in our film. There was also a record put out by WARM Radio. Yes, that was called uh, River on a Rampage. Yes. And we have some clips of that in the film as well. We use some of the audio of some of the interviews that were done. There's a helicopter pilot on the album flying over Myers High School. Yes. In Wilkes-Barre. Yes. And he's describing what it looks like. That you know, The football field looks like a giant swimming pool. So that's on the album. What we did was we took that sound clip from the album and married it to photos that were taken of Myers over overhead shots from airplanes and helicopters so that it marries perfectly with the narration. So you have a helicopter pilot in 1972 describing what he's seeing combined with videos and pictures of, of exactly what he's seeing. That's what the goal was when you can pull all the resources together to make it into a documentary. And this is 90 minutes. And we mentioned in the very beginning that there's going to be a showing on the 23rd but then there's now going to be one on the 29th. That was important to us. We wanted to mirror the film on the anniversary. You know, some folks said, why, why are you doing it on Friday? Why are you doing it on Thursday, the 23rd? Thursday, the 23rd is the anniversary of the flood. That is when the levees broke in 44 in South Wilkesbury. That's when 80,000 people were evacuated. That's the definitive day in the history of the Wyoming Valley. And so that's the day that we're going to premiere the film. Ironically enough, there is video in the film of the FM Kirby Center underwater. But what, what happened, Paula, was the it's show sold, sold out. out in three days. <laughs> yes. yeah, sold out in just a couple of days. And so we, we called the Kirby and they were interested in maybe doing some more as well. And so we were able to get a date in that same week. So June 29th, there's a one o'clock showing and also a 7.30 showing. And that's the anniversary week of the flood as well. I mean, a matter of fact, a lot of the pictures that you're going to see in the film, it, particularly in the middle of the film, when people went back to their homes for the first time, we're right around the 29th. I'm sure a lot of those pictures were taken on June 29th. So once again, Alan, do you have the details on those that you can share with us right now? Absolutely. There are still tickets available. Like I said, the 2030 sold out. The 20, you know, we thought that the, the one o'clock show would be ideal for retirees and stay at home parents who might want their children to see this film. We, we want to take this film out to schools in the fall. The heroes, I, I tell everybody this, Paula, the, the star of the movie is the flood. It's the, it's the Susquehanna River. It was the big bad monster. But the heroes of the movie are the people. It's a, it's an uplifting film. It's not a downer. You might you, you will walk out of there feeling I think hopefully very proud 
of our grandparents and our parents and how they fought to, to rebuild this community. And, and then the 7.30 show will be over at 9 o'clock. And so even though it's a week of work night, it's not a late night, tickets are $10. They're on sale at the Kirby Box Office or by calling the Kirby Box Office at 570-826-1100. Thanks again to Alan Stout with details on Agnes, a new 90-minute documentary film. We turn the calendar page to June this week, and June is Dairy Month. Dairyman Dave Smith, Pennsylvania Dairymen's Association Executive Director, is ready to celebrate. Going back, it was January that I first had the opportunity to talk to Dave Smith, who is in charge of the Pennsylvania Dairymen's Association, otherwise known as Dairy Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, Paula. Thank you. And, uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to talk to you about dairy, the dairy industry in Pennsylvania. Like I said, back in January, we were having the farm <laughs> show in Harrisburg. And of course, you were there with those delicious milkshakes. <gasps> wow, they were great. Now we are back again because June is Dairy Month. And here in Pennsylvania, that's pretty big. And you're going to tell us why. Just to talk a little bit about June Dairy Month, it's a celebration for all our dairy farm families and everybody else that enjoys dairy products. It's an opportunity for us as dairy industry to talk about the dairy products we have and the great farm families we have in Pennsylvania. It's a little known fact that uh, Pennsylvania has over 5,000 family dairy farms in the state, and we, we rank second in the nation as far as the number of dairy farms we have. It's just a great opportunity for all these family farms and to tell about their businesses and talk about the dairy products that they have. The dairy industry in Pennsylvania is a really big deal, and I, I don't think a lot of people understand you know, how big a deal it is. Agriculture by itself is the leading industry as far as economic revenue in Pennsylvania, Right up there near them is is the tourism industry as far as economic revenue. And in that larger scheme of agriculture, the dairy industry is the largest sector of the Pennsylvania agriculture, generates about over $12 billion of uh, economic revenue to the state. So that just gives you a little overview, Paula, of how big a deal the dairy industry is in Pennsylvania and why we choose to celebrate with June Dairy Month. And of course, here in Northeast Pennsylvania, we do have many dairy farms and people flock to them, especially when they are open to sell milk and ice cream. When we're talking about dairy products, there's so many to talk about, Dave. Well, there are. And, you know, you've hit on a little point there, Paul, about how things have changed and continually evolve on our dairy farms. More and more of our family dairy farms are trying to diversify. And instead of just selling directly to a, a middleman that goes on to a processor, many of our family dairy farms are starting some little niche market businesses like cheese making. And some of them get into uh, making some yogurt. Some of our family farms are selling directly their milk fresh off the farm to different consumers. So there's some neat things happening in our dairy industry where many of our dairy farms are diversifying in different ways. Like you said, in the Northeast, there are a lot of dairy farms. And uh, as you drive down the road, it's, it's great to see those open spaces and sometimes you even get to see those cattle out in the pasture. Oh, absolutely. And when they are out 
sometimes you have to be careful because they like to wander a little bit. So <laughs> we want to make sure that people are aware of that. Yeah. My son has a, a and our family here at home have a, uh, a farm where we have dairy heifers, young dairy cattle. That's kind of the farmer's nightmare when a cow or a heifer gets out of the gate or out of the fence and uh, does some wandering. But it is kind of comical because sometimes the cows believe the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, which is not always the case. And that's where we say move over. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forget I even said that. Let's get back to the other. Now, one of the things that I've heard about, and maybe you can fill us in on this, fill a glass with hope. What is that? Six years ago, you know, our dairy farmers in Pennsylvania and a group of their representatives came to the realization that in communication with some of our food banks across the state, that milk was most requested items in our food banks, along with fresh fruit and produce and things like that. They were kind of set back a little bit and thought, wow, I said, there's so many people out in the country and the state of Pennsylvania that need some assistance with, you know, nutrition and things like that. And, and there was an absence of milk in their diet. So there was a group of farmers that got together and they said, we need to do something about this. Along with uh, Feeding Pennsylvania, created a program called Fill a Glass with Hope. Like I said, it was about six years ago when this was initiated. And it's a fundraising mechanism where consumers and businesses can give money to Feeding Pennsylvania so that they have the capability of purchasing fresh fluid milk and giving it to their food bank clients. It's been an incredible journey over these six years. To date, there has been enough money and revenue raised from corporations and individuals to serve 26 million servings of milk to Pennsylvania people who need it the most. Just amazing to me also is when we first learned of this need, it's been noted that there are daily over 500,000 children in Pennsylvania that at times go to bed at night lacking the nutrition that they really needed through that day. So it's it's really been a journey and, and our dairy farmers are just thrilled to be able to be part of a program that helps to raise money for Feeding Pennsylvania to put fresh fluid milk into the homes and the refrigerators of their clients who really need that nutrition. So it's just been an amazing journey. I always tell people, too, that uh, although we have special events throughout the year that corporations and individuals can be involved in, if they want to do something individually, they can go to Feeding Pennsylvania website, feedingpa.com, and look at the pull-down tab for Fill a Glass with Hope, and, and they can make a donation. We also have, just coming up here in June, a real positive thing where a wise market, statewide supermarket chain who has a Roundup program at their cash register for Fill a Glass with Hope. It's been an incredible story about a program to fill a need, and it just continues to grow. You know, I think a lot of people will drive past a dairy farm. They see the farm. They see the animals but they don't realize everything that goes into it and everything that they are giving back to the community. So that's wonderful. Well, I think our, our dairy farmers are thrilled. And, you know, it's just incredible. Everybody works hard at their job. And, and I just wanted to mention that our dairy farmers, cows and the livestock on our farms need to be fed and taken care of 24 hours a day and 365 days a year. So on these dairy farms, you know, although it's not the same individual for all that time, 
but there's a real dedicated group of individuals and families who are always working at taking care of those cattle so that our society and our commonwealth has the dairy products they need, whether it's fluid milk or it's ice cream, yogurt, or cheese. But it's just a, a great product that everybody enjoys in one way or the other. And here in Pennsylvania, you can look at a carton of any of those and find Made in PA. Well, you can, Paula. I often have people asking the question, how can you identify locally produced Pennsylvania milk and dairy products? It's very important that we support our local dairy farms and keep them in business by supporting and buying the products they have. For one, it's good for those farm families and our economies, but it's also good for us because we're buying the freshest and locally produced product. So one of the programs that the Dairymen's Association has been involved for a number of years and a number of other partners is a program called Choose PA Dairy. When that question comes up, how do I know if it's Pennsylvania produced? The consumer needs to go to that product, and and I will give the example of a, a gallon of milk. And if you find a PA preferred label on that product, that means that it's produced in Pennsylvania. So it's, it's kind of earmarked. You can look for that on different products, but the PA preferred label means that it's produced in Pennsylvania. And I would encourage everybody to look for that product and buy, buy locally produced Pennsylvania products. Speaking of which, when we were together back in January, I asked you about milkshakes coming to Northeast Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I won't tell anybody, but has that advanced? It has. I think there, there are some dates for our milkshakes on the move truck to be in uh, northeast Pennsylvania. In fact, I believe in June, but I continue to encourage people to look forward for the Dairymen's Association milkshakes because, Paula, I think you had some and I think you would, you've enjoyed it and I know everybody else would also. I won't even tell anybody I got in line twice. <laughs> Anything else, Dave, that you would like everybody to know about June being Dairy Month? Well, I just want to highlight again that it's so important that people recognize how important dairy is in Pennsylvania, but also the nutrition that the dairy products provide for our nutritional needs. The calcium that's so important for children, for brain development, but also for the other 13 essential nutrient items that are in milk. In one product or another, there's a there's a dairy product that everybody can enjoy. And I just wanted to re-encourage everybody to, to buy a Pennsylvania-produced product. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we here at Odyssey remember all the men and women who gave their lives in service to our country. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.